Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 11th, 2012. Newcomers, I always suggest at the beginning of the program that you should try and look into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com because there's well over a thousand audios for free download there and all the sites listed on the com site, um, there's quite a few of them have uh, audios for download, and they all carry transcripts in English for print up as well. And if you want transcripts in other languages, go into alanwartsentinel.eu and take your pick from the selection offered. And remember, too, that I depend on you, the people, to keep this particular uh, program going because I don't bring on advertisers as guests. I don't sell any products. I have got no life extension or or anything like that to sell people. I just give you the plain bad news in a sense. But uh, the only thing that comes out of it is that you're always prepared for the future. Nothing's a shock, you understand. It's only a shock to people who can't really, they, they suspend their disbelief. That's the whole problem with them. And this, everything always comes as a shock to them, regardless of how many times or how many times you've told them this is coming down, that's coming down, and you've given them the proof. doesn't matter for most folk. They, they always get stunned when things are actually happening to them. And, uh, and that's just too bad. That's the way life really is. So, as I say, you can uh, get a lot from this particular broadcast. You can also learn an awful lot of the beginnings of the scientific uh, priesthood, basically, or dictatorship, as Huxley tended to call it. And the big banking boys, of course, are in league with the scientists as they bring in this whole New World Order. They've worked on it for an awful, awful long time, and uh, they've covered every basic uh, part of society, every every type of human is categorized into your own pigeon box, along with a whole bunch of others in your particular group. And it's ongoing. It's much better today with the Internet, of course. So we're all um, managed very, very well indeed. Right down to the things we enjoy, in fact, and all the distractions are also tossed in with what's not what was now called the, the, basically the, the conspiracy business. The, the boys at the top who give you reality coined it themselves, and people are quite happily going to, oh yeah, I'm in conspiracy. That's all I do with, you know, them, them out there, you know. And, of course, the whole thing is a mush now. It's hard to get anything through because folk are mixing it up with aliens and, and, and goodness knows what else uh, because they're listening to all kinds of weird stuff. This is intentional. This is psychological warfare, so you should expect it. So, as I say, you can buy the books and discs that I have at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. That keeps me going just about along behind now. And you can donate as well. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can buy um, using a personal check or an international postal money order from the post office. You can send cash and you can use PayPal. And across the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal once again. Remember, straight donations are awfully seriously welcome at this time. And as I say, I tend to go through the news, which people think is pretty bland. 
But I, tra- I also put back to, you know, things were talked about 20, 30 years ago, even longer, 100 years ago, to do with this present age. This is the, this is the century of change. I keep saying this and because academia was using it for an awful long time in the 20th century because everything was coming together. They call it the, tra- the great transformation when society is actually uh, attaining, supposedly, what the communists believe would come along, where they could train people to be so obedient and, and so sociable towards each other, where there's no discrimination of any kind whatsoever, and that, that even past that stage where you all accept it and you tolerate anything at all, and then, then you'd all be well-behaved, and you'd work for the good of all, the greater good of society, basically. This is what you're getting pushed through today. And, of course, it's all run by the white-coated priests at the top and the boys above them, the bankers, who rub their grubby little fat hands together because it's working so well. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and talking about how grouping, basically, we're all grouped into pigeonholes, uh, but lots of other people, of course, in, who believe the same things as, as we do. Everyone's grouped, of course, and uh, we've each, the, th- the trick was to make everyone think initially that we're all individualistic. And a big push was put out in the 1970s and 80s to try and make people think they're being individualistic. But in reality, it was to further enslave them because the boys who came up with all of this stuff, the, the top marketers, the guys who understand neuroscience and psychology and psychiatry, etc., and those in marketing all worked together. Uh, basically to do with politics at first and then with society in general. And they went over all the big questions of the past, including all those posed by uh, the various communist societies, including the ones inside the United States that got high prominence in universities. And they came together and and thought, well, uh, we can can really train a society with all the sciences we have today to be obedient and to accept everything, as I've mentioned before, uh, tolerate anything at all, and at the same time still make them thinking, make them think in different groups that they're making a difference. And of course, everyone's been suckered down the road if they've been in any of these groups long enough. I'm talking about environmental groups and things like that. And you find out that the big boys that you're protesting against uh, are actually funding you, or at least your, your leaders, and to get the very things through that you think you want. So everyone gets used, and that's the trick of this new type of warfare. That's what it is, really. It's warfare, you see, and uh, psychological warfare, something very, very old. And when you go into the the history books and read them from the communist perspectives, for instance, because they were really ahead of everybody else, uh, they, they talked about this great society to come and how to train them people generation to generation to accept major, major changes. And remember, too, the dissolution of the family unit was, was premium up there, and also how the state would eventually give the new values and norms to the children. They'd grow up together thinking they were all natural because they'd also introduce groupthink where if you're an individual in a group, you'll be ostracized and you have to come to terms and, and go along with the rest of them. And, of course, peer pressure makes a big, big difference. So you've got to get them young, as, as every tyrant in the past has always said. You've got to get them very, very young, and you can make with them what you want to make of them. It's quite easy. It's an old system, that part of it. But also, too, 
they talked about the time when austerity would come in. They didn't call it austerity in that sense, uh, although the, the word austere is, is used here and there in all the communist writings. But when they'd, they'd bring in a society that wouldn't be greedy, and uh, in this great utopia of theirs, everyone would be, would be so behaved, well behaved eventually, they'd simply go to a big Walmart type place and only take what they needed and a bit builds to them, but they wouldn't grab other things as well, just what they needed. And there was no two of this and two of that, just one of everything. And even then, when you really did need it, that's their wonderful trained utopia. Now, if you really are an individual, you won't be trained into that method, obviously, and so you become a problem. And they knew this too, because every aspect of society would was like a chess game, really, you understand at the top, the boys work this like a war strategy. And what they do is say, we're going to do all of these things to the general public without them knowing. And when they start catching on, various people in different segments of society will stand up and complain. So they might get groups on the go. How do we avoid that? Well, they don't avoid it. They supply you with leaders first, you see. So that when the time comes, up pops your leader. And you say, my goodness, this guy is verbalizing exactly what I've been thinking. And, and away you go around in circles. And you're quite ineffective. So we're, we're running so perfectly well today. And this is not defeatism, by the way. It's just I've read all their books. And I've got, I've got into their big foundations, their records, etc. And they talk openly about all of the stuff that I'm talking about here. And it's only by understanding this can you make sense of anything that's happening today. But here's a, a, a simple, a simple, a very, very simple uh, and, and shallow presentation is called The Roar of the Crowd, it's called. Now, The Crowd was one of the first books put out on propaganda uh, before Bernays came along because they already understood how emotions are affected uh, by those who control the crowds, etc. They're calling it crowdsourcing now as it's transforming the science of psychology. And it says, according to Joseph Heinrich and his uh, colleagues at the University of British Columbia, most undergraduates are weird, right? So they give you a little comical thing and people will forget it. Those who teach them might well agree, but Dr. Heinrich did not invent, uh, intend the term to be an insult when he popularized it in a paper published in Behavioral and Brain Sciences in 2010. Instead, he was proposing an acronym, Western Educated Industrialized Rich and Democratic. One reason for these things, that these things matter is that undergraduates are also psychologists' laboratory rats. We're always getting experiments done as all segments of society, and not just in, in universities. A lot of it happens in the streets, but, and you don't even know it's been done to you. It says, incentivized by rewards in the forms of money or course credits, they will do the human equivalents of running mazes and pressing the levers in Skinner boxes until the cows come home, which is both a blessing and a problem. It's a blessing because it provides psychologists with an endless supply of willing subjects, it's a problem because those subjects are weird and that's not representative of humanity as a whole. Indeed, as Dr. Henrik found from his analysis of leading psychology journals, a random American undergraduate is about 4,000 times more likely than an average human being to be the subject of such a study. Drawing general conclusions about the behavior of homo sapiens from the results of these studies is risky. And so they say, what they're going into now is crown, uh, to get a better idea of how it all works. Crowdsourcing is a way to get jobs like deciphering images, ranking websites, and answering surveys done for money by online workers. And they call it the hive mind, by the way. Several firms offer the service, including Odesk, Crowdflower, and Elance. 
but by far the most popular for scientific purposes, Mechanical Turk, which is run by Amazon and is named after an 18th century chess playing machine in which a human secretly moved the pieces. Mechanical Turk has more than 500,000 people known as Turkers in its workforce. For the hard-pressed, cash-strapped psychologists, this is a godsend. Turkers, despite the fact that half of them have at least one degree, are willing to work for peanuts. Their medium wage is about $1.40 an hour. Most indeed seem to regard the task they are set as more like a, uh, playing a hobby than an actual job. And crucially, they're growing more cosmopolitan with each passing year. Though four, 40% are still from America, a third are Indian, and the rest come from about 100 other countries. That diversity means the W of weird at least can be dropped, and the I, R, and D may often be dispensed with as well. Of course, another bias that of signing up for crowdsourcing is introduced. By using Turkers instead of undergraduates does offer some genuine diversity. And they go into why this is a better way of sampling the general public. And what they're really doing, they actually do this also in primary schools, in basic schools. Even kindergarten now in some countries, I'll mention that tonight. And because a a child, even at five, is a good indication of how the the PC uh, subjects put into even cartoons has affected them. And they're tested on this to see if it works. So you can get a, a uniform society growing up. They can easily bend to the next step. And that's how it's done. Very simple stuff, really. But um, what I'm saying is we're constantly studied, constantly studied. And I, I say it doesn't matter who you are, uh, you're very, very important to the boys who really run governments across the world. Awfully important. Every single one of you out there. And that's why they take so, so much of your cash to, to fund all the studies that are done on you. Because you put everything up on Facebook and everywhere else and you tweet and you tweet and all the rest of it. And they have virtual use. I've mentioned this before. The Pentagon article I read before years ago mentioned that there's a virtual you at the Pentagon and they add daily to the, all the stuff that you put out there, including on your, on your phones, etc. Then they run tests on them to see if you uh, would behave, how you behave in a particular incident and to see if it's, if it's pretty accurate. And they say it's dead on. They know you better than you know yourselves. So psychology, remember, was a big, big hope for the communists and is turning out to be true, of course, because they made it so. They made it so. And remember, even after World War I, then World War II, the big organizations that were funded by your own governments to ensure this wouldn't happen again. And, uh, of course, they wanted to weed out those who had any traits of what they call fascism in that fascism t- from a left-wing point of view means anybody who wants to be independent, really. That's what it really means. So we're really well, well down the road to being totally controlled uh, and manipulated. Most folk are manipulated every single day, and they don't even know it. They really haven't a clue. And some, sometimes some people will break through, and they crash. They crash when they realize they've been used uh, fervently, too. They're, they're fervent supporters of various programs and then they realize they're being, they've been conned all along by the rich boys at the top. Now, that's bad enough, but when, when you go into this article here, and it's from Australia, and it says, now it's, you gotta start connecting articles, because what happens in one country is happening across the world at the same time, because everything comes through the United Nations. All laws, everything to do with health and everything else, through the UN. This is preschoolers so kindergarten, to get mental health checks. Right? 
Australian preschoolers are set to be screened for early signs of mental illness as part of a voluntary, starts off voluntary, you see, government-funded program. Most of the parents probably won't even know what's happening. They've been tested at school. The Australian Medical Association supports a federal government initiative to look for early signs of mental illness in three-year-old children. Now, getting back to what I said earlier, remember the definition of mental illness. And from the communist point of view, these are the guys, the Frankfurt School, all these guys who were brought in, the Macy Group, etc., many others, and funded by your, your and Bernays was working with them too. Um, mental illness was anybody who, who would buck the system, the system they were pushing on them, you see. And in fact, in, in the Soviet system, uh, that was enough to get you put in a mental hospital if you thought there was something wrong with the Soviet system that was classified as a mental, obviously a mental illness, right? So here they go. They're trying to pick them up at school for those who can think and get them on drugs before they're even five years old. I'll continue in this vein when I come back from this break. Hi, I am Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about the, the in encroaching system worldwide to do with total control of our minds and bodies uh, from birth to death. I mean, they're already monitoring children in some countries from birth to death. They started one in Scotland, of course, a couple of years ago, and every country is on board with this, of course, because there's only one agenda, you see. And to get this big agenda through the compliance society, you've got to make sure that anyone who could cause a problem down the road, like think for themselves and maybe be able to articulate it to others, is obviously a problem. Now, they saw this coming a long, long time ago. Many, many years ago. And Bertrand Russell, of course, was on board with these groups. He worked with the groups brought in to give the Americans especially and the British a new culture of acceptance for everything, tolerance. And he said that those children who won't join us, meaning the bright ones, uh, and become, you know, get their, take their scholarships and go off to the Ivy League schools and become part of the establishment on behalf of the establishment working for them, they'd have to be eliminated, he says, because it would be so dangerous to have one person out there who could think. He might be another Hitler. That's what they kept Hitler. You see, Hitler's used for everything. Never a Stalin or Lenin, as always Adolf Hitler, because they're all, they're all in the same boat as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, uh, you can't knock the ones who, who came out with all of this experimentation, which was Soviets, and that's why they don't mention the Soviet system. But anyway, it says uh, the Healthy Kids Check, it's called now, will be predominantly conducted by GPs, general practitioners, who will refer children with troubling behavior to psychologists and pediatricians. Now, most of them are referred today by school teachers, and uh, they, they want all boys to be just like girls, you see, sit quiet and, you know, don't fiddle and, and all that kind of stuff, uh, like, and just like the girls do. And it's caused a lot of problems already for those, I'm sure, who have children. There's lots of complaints that boys aren't meant to sit so long uh, just fiddling away and listening to the teachers. So they get them on drugs, as you all know. Most folk aren't bothered about that, except for the parents who, who deal with the mayhem down the road of the drugs. So the program will cost $11 million over five years and is expected to identify about 27,000 children who would benefit from extra support. Now, what does that mean? It's wide open, right? The AME Federal President Steve Hamilton supports initiatives and says children who may have mental health problems usually start exhibiting symptoms when they turn three. 
Three-year-olds will be doing things at the end of their third year that are very different, he says. We want to make sure that we select our children that have got real broad-based problems, not just individual things like fear the dark or fear your monsters and that sort of thing, which is normal, he says, for three-year-olds. Dr. Hamilton says it's important that the process does not medicalize normal behavior. Well, it already has, folks, and he knows this too. He's well aware uh, that it's medicalized normal behavior. He's talking about the terrible twos. Young children, too, are all over the place, you know. But mums now are generally out to work, and the nannies have the problem. And the nannies have lots of children to look after. So that's what you got, you see. you got to dumb them all down, slow them down, and so they'll behave the same, like, you know, tortoises or something. Things that they are looking for are, uh, are autism spectrum disorder, which is a broad-based multi-area problem, at least today with all the injections, behavioral sensory and communication issues, depression and anxiety, he said. At the age of about three and a half, some of these problems will show up that you can intervene with. Pam Kahir from Early Childhood Australia agrees. So all the agrees is a PR a blurb for them. They're all agreeing it's all for the good of society, etc., etc. You know, the greater good thing again. So... They're really getting into what they, they plan to do uh, and talked about during World War II and after World War II and the communist side actually before World War II. And Scotland, Scottish toddlers as well are to be tested to see if they will grow up to be drug addicts or criminals. So it's, again, it's an, another way of saying the same thing. It's the Mental Health Act, you see. Toddlers will be tested to see if they'll grow up to be uh, you know, thugs and so on. Uh, Aged between 24 and 30 months. 24 and 30 months, folks will be examined to determine their capacity for violent crime. That's like stealing the milk bottle or something. Drug abuse and mental illness when they are older. Health officials will look for emotional and behavioral problems under the scheme, which will be launched in Glasgow this year. The move comes amid growing concern that those most at risk of developing violent tendencies or chronic addictions are not being identified nearly enough or early enough. Experts hope the Healthy Child Program, so it's, it's positive-sounding, Healthy Child, you all want healthy children, and it's actually to do with um, eradicate, really eradicating individual tendencies in any child at all. So it's going, to, it's going to tackle levels of violence and drug abuse in Glasgow, which are among the worst in the world. That's because there's no work left, you see. But Dr. Phil Wilson, a GP who is part of a working group behind the project, said one of the really worrying things is that in the overall measures of child well-being that UNICEF, you see, again, United Nations again, publishes Scotland as bottom of the, of the League of Developed Countries. Well, that's because it's never been a country for hundreds of years. It's been a colony uh, and plundered. Of its goods. Under the scheme, health workers will complete a questionnaire with parents to establish that their children are aggressive, bullying, spiteful, and if they lie or cheat. Because, of course, the parents don't do that. Toddles will also be checked for poor grasp of language, which can indicate problems such as attention deficit disorder. As long as you make all the sounds that come out of cartoons are okay, you know, all the disgusting stuff. The parents of those who fall into that risk group will be offered support. Same thing as Australia, you see. So this is the this is the the thing that's that's going on, and uh, no one's really bothered because most folk today listen probably either don't have a child or it's grown up or whatever, and no one really bothers until it's all over the place and they're living in a a real fascist system, and the fascists are at the top, and of course the whole system below that is communistically run with massive government. The old story, it's an old story. Now. So here you have psychological tampering and uh, trying to grab the children incredibly young and alter them, alter all behavior to suit who? Those who will be and are totalitarian 
uh, in the near future. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I am Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. Talking about psychology, neuroscience, bioethics, all of the, the, the stuff that's pretty, pretty new, really, to do with total control of society and every individual. That's what it's about now. Screening everybody. You've got to be screened very early to make sure that they get the, the big bits of grit out, you see, the ones that cause problems they call the, to the system, that is. And all the, the finer stuff, all the uniform stuff go through the sieve. And remember when, when after World War II, during World War II, in fact, um, eugenics was a big, big thing. It had been before it, too. And the elite had mentioned many, in many articles and many books put out about it, too, that they could eventually breed the proper society by sterilizing and killing off all the junk genes, basically. And after World War II, they, they got a bad rap, you see, because of... Um, the Germany copying the U.S.'s standards, really, to do with the sterilizing the unfit and that kind of thing, which the U.S. have been doing for years at Cold Harbor and other places. And they had to change their names. They were kind of quiet, and they changed their names from, from eugenicists to bioethicists, you see. And uh, so they're now ethical. They're ethical, you see, which is a form of morality. So it sounds good. They're ethical. And, and bio is you. You're the biomass, you see. And I've mentioned about uh, every country's always got their top leaders and everything, which are always on television because it's part of the agenda, and that's how you're controlled, that's how you're giving your opinions. And whole teams of specialists work behind the scenes on television, just like Oprah, when these so-called supposed specialists come on. And they can warp your brain, your brain 180 degrees in one hour, and you think it's all done spontaneously. You have no idea how much work goes into to make everything work that way. But this is controversial bioethicist tops the Queen's honours. Now, I've mentioned this guy before from Australia because he's lots and lots of press coverages and they make him almost like a pop star. And if, for those who don't understand how pop stars are, are made, uh, they did the same thing with scientists years ago. And if you go into the Unabomber, you'll find out that he talks about that too. And uh, I've even put up some articles before a few years ago to do with uh, why he was doing what he did and the particular people he targeted were all part of a group meant, again, to alter the psyche of all peoples, especially Americans. That was the reason why, folks. But um, So these guys believe that through technology and science they can conquer the world and make us all good little subjects, you see. And this character here in Australia is called Peter Singer. He's Put up like a pop star and all the little talk shows and they're all laughy poos to laugh at each other and joke with each other and they try to become human, you see. It's all staged, of course. A Melbourne-based academic once likened to Hitler's deputy because he believes in sterilization and euthanasia and all that and described as the most dangerous man on earth as one of eight Australians to be awarded the top Queen's birthday accolade. This is... Uh, as a philosopher and bioethicist, is not much of a philosopher, actually. Professor Peter Singer, 66, is no stranger to controversy. Today he's been recognized for his varied contributions with a companion in the Order of Australia for his communication of ideas regarding animal welfare, global poverty, and the human condition. Now, that's a big 
affecting the human condition, because you better figure out what that means, folks. <laughs> and so it says Professor Sarah made headlines around the world with his book, Animal Liberation. So they start them off often in animal things, so you, to get awfully... People who love animals can't be all that bad, like book our own ones in Canada. They give you a special one in every country. And you have Attenborough in Britain, for instance, and Suzuki in Canada. But they all believe in genetics, you see, and eugenics. And uh, and so and then they go into politics and politicking uh, for governments to go all the way with eugenics. But it says that uh, started with animal liberation, focusing on the animal rights movement. He's also spoken about abortion, euthanasia, and the human condition, becoming the subject of heated debates and even death threats. And it says um, disability activist Diane Coleman once described him as a public advocate of genocide and the most dangerous man on earth today. In 1989, while on a trip to Germany for a conference, he was compared to a member of the Third Reich for his views on disabled children and infanticide. These are the ones that are giving honours to today, folks, and you better take this awfully seriously. It's not just, it's not just in one country. This is all over the place. So, I'll put these links up tonight. Remember, all these topics I put up tonight at cuttingthroughthematrix.com for those who are interested. Uh, some people say, well, you say it so blandly, Alan. You know, I said, well, what do you want? You know, tear out the heads and tear your, tear your hair out of your head and, and just scream and shout. Is that better? It would do better for ratings, maybe, for folk who used entertainment. But the fact is, this is serious stuff. It's deadly serious stuff. Deadly serious. And you better understand that. Because this is all being pushed in to various laws as we speak. All the stuff. Now, it's bad enough when you got all that on the go. And here's a nasty topic. It's nasty because you have to look at the nasty things to understand what's happening. You know, all the New Agers who are bombarded with aliens and they can always escape into astral bodies and things and... Uh, when a nasty thing comes along, uh, I don't go that way. I just go straight into the, the, the heated, nitty-gritty stuff, which is pretty nasty because that's the reality of it, you see. You can prove the nasty stuff, you see. So this article says, um, by Olga Fairfax, PhD, it says, it says, uh, we'll be apologizing to Hitler, I thought. At least he didn't kill for money. Collagen is a gelatinous substance found in connective tissue, bone, and cartilage. Nick uh, Thimerisk's syndicated column, Our Grizzly Human Fetal Industry, documents that amniotic fluid and collagen can come from fetal material since the Food and Drug Administration does not require protesting, uh, pre-testing or the identification of cosmetic ingredients. A glance through local drugstores reveals that the leading 12 shampoos and 5 hand creams all contain collagen. Check your beauty products and you may be shocked unless your beauty product specifies animal collagen or bovine collagen. The product product probably contains human collagen. The drug company should be challenged at once. Even collagen taken from human placenta raises questions about respect of life and ownership of the placenta. That takes me right back again, as I say, to to Julian Huxley, uh, Aldous' brother, brother at the UNESCO. United Nations again, who said we've got to knock the humanity off their pedestal as a supreme being on the planet and bring them down to the level of animal in order to, to get them to go along with the big agenda. You see, the devaluation of human life had to be had to be drummed into people, and I'm afraid it's worked awfully well. Anyway, it says. A letter from Mary Kay Cosmetics emphasizes that collagen all comes from animals. Similar letter from Hask has also been received. Since there are one and a half million abortions every year, there's an abundant source of fetuses for commercial use. 
There's triple profit to be had. The first is from the abortion, estimated at half a billion dollars a year by Fortune magazine. The second profit comes from the sale of aborted babies' bodies. The third profit is from unsuspecting customers buying cosmetics. The body, the baby's bodies are sold by the bag. And that's true, folks. I know folk who've worked in, in the hospital industry in that particular area. And they do collect them in garbage bags. Uh, not kidding you from the abortion wards. $25 a batch or up to 5,500. This is a pound. Um, they don't know how they work that out. The sale of later term elective abortions at DC General Hospital brought $60,000 between, this is as far back as 1966 and 1976. $60,000. It's a lot more money now. Money was used to buy a TV set and cookies and soft drinks for visiting professors. This is call your local authority, uh, 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 abortery and hospital and ask them some pointed questions about the disposable and possible sale of fetuses. It's big business, as we all know. Big business today. And you think you're going towards a, a more humane society? Do you really, really keep believing and prattling on about that? Because there's some deception in your head, your head somewhere, and you better shake it clear as to what's happening. Massive, massive profits as we're dehumanized by your masters, understand. And it's your masters who are pushing all of this. Now, I'm also putting up, it was last month that again, I put up again the Club of Rome, who put out their, an overarching framework for action that counts up to 2052. Mass, all the same plans again, too many people got to depopulate, got to bring in austerity, yada, 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 save the climate, save the, all that, save, 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 etc. When they really mean they want to do away with most of you as you presently are and bring in a new society. And, and always prattling on about global prop, population, even though they're the advisor for the United Nations, the United Nations itself uh, speaks with a forked tongue because it comes out and gives its official statistics every year to do with the real um, uh, population uh, counts in every country. And they say they've been falling in the West for years and years and years, and they need massive immigration to to fill in the gaps, basically pay off the national debts. Because that's how we are economic units, you understand. And last week I read an article about Canada, the same kind of thing. It's, it's so dependent now on immigrants. Because the folk who've lived here long enough and been brought up with, with sex, sex, sex and music television uh, want lots of sex but don't want any children. And so marriage has gone down the tubes. And so is having children. So you've got to bring them in from the countries that are, are having children. So you're, you're, you're mind-bombed. You understand? You're totally mind-bombed. I mean, polite is another word for it, which is more appropriate, actually. But uh, And it's, it's all deliberate. Every day you read this stuff, and it's all incredibly, incredibly deliberate. And two articles I'm putting up tonight, two is to do with the porn and video game industry. And it says they're ruining the next generation of American men. Well, that's been on the go for a while. And you can see... The changes in humanity in the last 20 years alone, just that, and even before, but definitely not just in 20 years. And as a psychologist, Philip Zimbardo claims that today's young men are destined for failure because of porn and video games. He's got his book out, it's called The Demise of Guys, Why Boys Are Struggling and What We Can Do About It. Zimbardo and co-author Nikita Duncan outline why he thinks men are failing in education and personal relationships. Well... Everybody's dysfunctional now when it comes to relationships because they've been to, totally screwed with with their minds. 
that people can't even get on with each other. They expect some kind of Walt Disney fantasy where you, you, you're, you're Peter Pan forever. You just get married and, and everything's just wonderful in this lovely cartoon world forever and ever. And no one grows old, no one gets sick, and problems don't crop up. There's always music playing in the background and so on. He suggests parent limits, or, well, it's, this is nonsense because it's, it's pointless, or cut off access to computers and video games to get their sons on the right track. Well, it's pointless because it's a, that was the first thing they made sure the public knew about the Internet to get it all sold and get up running was there's lots of porn on it. It says, uh, females currently outperform males at every level from grade school to graduate school. Boys are 30% more likely than girls to drop out of high school and college according to the National Center of Education Statistics. In 2011, young men's SAT scores were the worst they'd been in 40 years. So this agenda's working, folks. Even Hollywood has caught on. Films like Failure to Launch, Knocked Up, and Jackass uh, mock the ineptitude of this generation. Boys account for 70% of Ds and Fs given at school. Researchers show guys aren't interested in being husbands, fathers, or heads of the household. And says boys are 45 times more likely than girls to have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Well, the reason is because they're diagnosed with it because they can't sit still. It's, you know, they're going to have lots of sports and activity, etc. It says the average boy spends 13 hours a week playing video games. The average girl spends five. The average young American will spend 10,000 hours playing video games by the age of 21. That's twice the time it takes to earn a bachelor's degree. The average high school boy spends two hours watching porn every week. Men can't escape porn. 13,500 full-length commercial porn films were released in 2011 compared with 600 Hollywood films. By the way, there's other articles out that women are really getting into the porn too and becoming addicted to it. There's lots of, it's great work for, for psychiatrists and psychologists and stuff. They always give you something to fall back on. You know, oh God, I can't stop doing mm, strange things. And, and away you go and they take your money quite happily. Researchers claim that internet pornography is hurting the young boy's ability to perform meaningful romantic relationships because they objectify their partner. And it's sad to say, too, that many guys complain that so many women today are masculine. And again, but they've all had their... Ta- everyone, male and female, have had their hormones tampered with. Exactly what what, um, what uh, Charles Galton Darwin said they would do. He was talking about this in the 1950s, that if they alter and tinker with their hormones by adding stuff to the water, their food, and through inoculations as well, to alter, especially men being men, because men have always been a problem to tyrants down through the ages, until now. This is it's predicted that 60% of bachelor degrees will go to women by 2016, and 63% of men surveyed said they had a lack of motivation because of mixed messages from the media and society on their role. Then, and also, too, you've got generations of grown up without dads, and the ones that have dads uh, know that dad lives somewhere else in a little place, and he's going to pay for two homes and all the rest of it. That's, that's not an incentive to get married. Uh, that really isn't going to court every month and, you know, coughing up the cash. 70% of young men surveyed said their generation wouldn't be as smart or innovative as their peers in other first world countries. And there's more to it, so I'll put that up as well for you to peruse for those who want to. And as I've mentioned before, we're really into tyranny, of course. And it was well designed to come down now at this time. The same with the, you know, the, the project for the new American century that came out in the 90s which they published twice, they updated it, and, and, but the same list of countries they wanted to take out. It's bad news being a, a buccaneer today. A buccaneer is someone who's a tyrant over their country. You know. And today you've got to join the big group of pirates 
the, you know, the, the big gang of pirates that run the world. Uh, because a, a privateer, a lone privateer, is, is just bad news for you if you happen to be the top guy in one of the old countries, especially if you don't have a central bank and do usury and stuff like that. So they're really going at it. Now it's time to just turn everything, all the technology on the public. The whole Cold War uh, industries, that, that were, it was incredible. The money that was getting spent per month by Britain and France and, and all Germany, East Germany, West Germany, and of course the Soviet countries, to make gadgets and gizmos that they can now use on you. That's what it was all for. Because no one said at the time, why are you, you know, why are you robbing us of so much tax money for this new weapon and that new weapon? Well, it wasn't for that stuff at all. It was to go into massive research to do with how do you control a world society? Person to person. Uh, it says, beware the, sky, the spy in the sky after those street view snoopers, Google and Apple, use planes that can film you sunbathing in your back garden. And so they're really going into that with their spy planes and so on. And they'll say, well, they can do it because there's no law so far that says they can't. You see, they, they, this is how they always play their, their games with the general public. And it says, the U.S. technology giants are racing to produce aerial maps so detailed they can show up objects just four inches wide. The campaigners see the technology as a sinister development that brings a surveillance society a step closer. Well, how, how close do you want to? Uh, anyway, they've got 3D mapping services used by C3 Technologies as purchased by Apple and will form the main part of the software giant's new mapping service. You as well as just putting your camera, well, a lot of folk have it, and in fact put their cameras up in their own houses because they all want to be a star, you know. See how well you can train people? It's so easy to train them, isn't it? Especially the young, you know, and impressionable. Everyone can be their own little star, and, oh, there's me doing this, and there's me doing that, and yada, yada, yada. And all adults, too. And the ones that are growing up will be adults, sort of, one day. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and tonight too I'll put up an article here, it's to do with um, abnormal returns uh, from the common stock investments of members of the U.S. House of Representatives, that was for up to the year 2000 through 2011, that's quite interesting. Another article too is that many of the representatives are amongst the, the Congress, or amongst uh, the 1%, you know the 1% they keep talking about now, it's awfully popular, and also... Uh, this article here to do with the Royal Society. Now they keep prattling on about how they're all pure science, you know, pure science, that's all we, they're completely political. You see, we follow the leaders and they give us the leaders, especially scientists. This is the age of the scientists before it was different priests and so on. Today it's science, you see. So it says, uh, Royal Society funding and it goes through the incredible funding that's coming from the government. They, they are part of the establishment, of course. They're anything but impartial observers and scientists, uh, the whole green agenda, they're all on board with all of that, and carbon taxes, you name it. This is immense damage has been done to the reputation of society by its last three presidents. While the fellow's rebellion has improved matters considerably, the continuing desire of the society's leadership to engage in political controversies represents a serious ongoing risk to society's reputation and an abandonment of its principles. 
interesting society. I mean, when they started it up, you know, you, if you had a wife, you had to put her away, literally. You just give her cash and never see her again. That was in the days of Francis Bacon and, you know, stuff like that. Because they were a Masonic society, you understand, they still are. Anyway, it says, in the 50 years since Lord Adrian warned of the dangers that a flood of government money represented uh, to the royal society, all of his worst fears have come true. Despite repeated claims that society is independent of government, the reality is rather different. Although the fellows still have to pay subscriptions to society, the total raise in this way is dwarfed by sums routed through the society by government, recently of the order of 40 to 50 million pounds per annum. Although much of the sum passes through the society to grant recipients, £2.4 million per year remains within the society itself, supporting the salaries of administrative staff, and the figure represents over 40% of the unrestricted funds of the society. And I'll put up a chart tonight to see some of the payments that they have. It's quite amazing uh, what they get paid, uh, those who work in that. You know, this great uh, society for science and truth and so on, and it's completely all political, and the public are funding it all. But what's new? You understand, everything out there is, is meant to bend your mind along a certain path and to get you to follow, because you can't just follow the experts, you see. I mean, after all, where would you be without experts? You couldn't bring in this, this age of transitions without it, you see. And you've got lots of transitions to go before you end up where they actually want you and then, of course, they'll be make it made to order children to supply the slave population, a small, much smaller slave population for those down the road. And that's how they see it up at the top of science, you see. And because you're so degenerate now, because we've all been brought down for, since, as I said before, UNESCO came out with uh, Julian Huxley to dehumanize us until life is nothing at all, uh, that uh, we're, all de- we're degenerate enough to accept the next step and the next step. And no one really cares. Once you have something you understand, it's called being a human being. When you have it in its totality, you can't allow any of it to go. Any of it to go. Because hell awaits you. A real physical hell on earth. But not for those who rule over you. From Hamish Masella from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>